on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. So patience is key, but more importantly, more than anything else, if you want to be a great manager, listen. Listen at least twice as much as you talk, at least. And that would probably be the minimum. You should, if you want to be super awesome, listen all the time and talk very little. You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine-figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high-performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. What's up, everybody? I'm Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings podcast. I've got Dan Rubenstein here on the King stage. My brother, Dan, how we doing? Good, Chaz. How are you doing today? You know, it's uh, Monday and uh, I get to talk about pups, puppies, dogs with, with my man, Dan. So I'm excited for this conversation. Excited for you to be here, Uh, you know, off air. We were getting into a little bit of your story. I had to, I had to be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. we got to hit the recording button. This is too good. We've, we, we share a love for, for St. Bernard's and I'm sure business, but uh, let's jump into it. Dan, tell us what kind of business that you got, brother. Uh, We have a dog daycare business. We have a chain of doggy daycare stores in Chicago and New York. We cater to pet parents who need help with their dogs on a daily basis, whether it be daycare, grooming, training, overnights. We do it all. We even do veterinarian services or veterinary services through a partnership at certain locations. So really uh, all things under one whoop, as our director of marketing likes to say. That's Uh, awesome. So it's a, it's a labor of love. I, I, didn't expect to be in this business. I was in technology for a majority of my career, which wasn't very long pre becoming an entrepreneur, but I used to work for Accenture and a really tragic event kind of inspired me to get into the business. And and here I am 23 years later in my third platform, Pups Pet Club. Pups Pet Club. Well, and I love, we're going to get into your story a little bit because it's so powerful. Even that traumatic event that you kind of just briefed over, we want to get into that and hear it. But you, you've been doing doggy daycare before doggy daycare was, was popular. You're, you're the godfather of doggy daycare. <laughs> the OG. The OG. The OG of doggy daycare. Yeah. Yeah. It, it started, doggy daycare is interesting. It started really in New York. One or two stores popped up. Then like a lot of things, it went coastal. So it went over to California. Um, that was really in the early nineties, about the mid nineties, mid to late nineties, it hit Chicago. That's when I got into it. I'm from the New York area. I grew up in Hartford, Connecticut. I was on a project what? in Chicago with my St. Bernard. We show share a love for St. Bernard's. And yeah, and yeah that, that event, I had a tragic you know, event happen uh, that inspired me to start the, one of the first doggy daycares in, in Chicago. And doggy daycare came into being because of a, a, a real paradigm shift in pet parents' attitudes towards their dogs. We actually didn't even call them pet parents before the late nineties. We called them dog owners. Right. Now you never hear that term anymore. Not at all. And I think pet parents is a more appropriate term for the way we feel about pets nowadays. They're yeah. very much a part of the family. 
They're considered our, our children with four legs. They bring us incredible amount of, of joy to our lives. Right. And they love, you know, like family members should, two-legged and four-legged unconditionally. Yeah. And that's the, that's the best part about dogs. Yeah. There's so, there's so much value there. And I think that it's great that uh, you gave the perspective earlier of not just for dog lovers, but, but ones that see their pet as part of the family or that needs a special attention or even just a veterinary visit. Uh, I love practicality of kind of like the whole gamut that you've got going there. I, I want to, the story of, of how this all started for you is, is a pretty impactful. I, I you know, share as much detail as you'd like, but I want to, it's basically part of your why. So I'm, I'm going to position mm -hmm. my question how I normally do, but I want, I'm prefacing it for you. So that way you kind of know where I want you to go a little okay. bit because I know the story because you just shared it with me. But my question is, why are you doing the business? Why did you become an entrepreneur? What's the bigger picture? What's the burning desire inside of Dan? But I know some of that started with kind of how this started. So share that question, but as much detail as you'd like about how it started as well. Yeah, that's uh, interesting because I, I never thought I was going to be in the dog business. I, yeah. I, I had a burning desire to be an entrepreneur. I've been a leader throughout my life. Okay. And I think entrepreneurs are natural leaders. Yeah. And so, you know, I was a consultant, a technology consultant for Accenture. I was put on a project in Chicago. My best friend was living there at the time. He was going to medical school there. And he said, Dan, instead of traveling back and forth, why don't you, you know, come out, live with me in Chicago? And, you know, after you're done with your project, we'll go back to New York. Uh, a great idea. Chicago is an amazing city and I love Chicago, even though it wasn't my home city. I, I fell in love with it. And Rich and I lived together for almost a year. The summer of 99 came and he had to move back to New York to accept his residency and start working as a doctor. And he said, Hey, Dan, I'm going. Sydney, my, my St. Bernard, was actually like Rich gave him to me. He said, Dan, I can't, I can't take care of Sydney anymore. You know, you know, we had lived together. I had taken care of the dog, you know, as if he were my own. So he said, Dan, please take Sydney. You know, I, I won't be able to take care of him as, as well as you could take care of him. So I did. And you know, through the summer of 99, my project in Chicago started to get like busier and busier. And I, and I had to do something with Sydney during the day because he was just a three-year-old St. Bernard, still a puppy in many respects. Yeah. And so he needed some exercise during the day. I found this dog exercising service. It was a pickup and drop-off service. They came, picked them up. They would take him to a local dog park, let him play. And, you know, it was a great service. He, he loved, he loved it. He'd come home every day, like caked in mud. He'd be all over my bed and I wouldn't care. Like, yeah. He, he, he was happy and that was most, most important to me. Yeah. And then July 30th, 99 came around and it was one of the hottest days in Chicago history. I specifically had called the dog exercising service. I said, Hey, listen, don't take him out with you to the park this week. It's too much for him. Please just let him out in the backyard and, you know, let him pee and bring him back inside. And unfortunately they, they neglected to follow my instructions and that, you know, after a series of really terrible things happening, Sydney ended up in the hospital fighting for his life. 
as I was also fighting to save his life. Yeah. And about 13 hours into the fight, he just succumbed to his, you know, to his ailments due to, due to heat, heat stroke, right? A lot of complications in liver failure, renal failure, petechia, you know, really terrible stuff that you never want any animal to go through. It just suffered, you know, terribly. And yeah. it, that devastated me emotionally. I, I called my manager on my project. I said, listen, I need to take about a week. I'm suffering here. I'm totally depressed. And I'm on the couch at home and my girlfriend at the time, you know, God bless her. She, she came and said, Hey, Dan, you know, you, you've got to get out of the house. You're just on the couch and you're, you're miserable. And so she took me for a run in Lincoln park. And that run was liberating for me. I would go from dog to dog and I would get completely emotional. I would just stop every pet parent I could see and say, I'd ask them about their dog and you know, and, and I would start petting them and hugging them. And I was uh, crying and, and yeah. feeling everything that I just was, you know, wanting to feel over that past week. And all this came pouring out. And then as I started going from dog to dog, you know, I just remember repeating in my head, you know, I can't let this happen to anyone else. I can't let this happen to anyone else. And that was what inspired me to start all for doggies which was about the first or second doggy daycare in Chicago. There's, I, you know, it was so new back then that no one really knows. I think there, there might've been a, one other that started before me, but so it, it became quite a, you know, business and one that I almost started overnight. I, I quit my job with Accenture in December of 90. That happened in July. I quit my job in December and then I just put it all out there. And for entrepreneurs who are listening to this, like you got to believe in what you do and you got to yeah. put everything you have behind it, not just your money, but your heart and soul. I right. liquidated my 401k. I emptied my bank accounts. I maxed out my credit cards. I moved out of my apartment with my roommates and moved into the store I was building. I sold my Jeep, which I saved. I mean, this was like my dream car. You know, post-graduation when I was growing up, I always wanted to have a Jeep Wrangler. Yeah. Or City used to ride in the back of the Wrangler and he drooled right. over the back and you know, <laughs> all over and all over cars next to us. He yeah. was I mean, he was known all over Chicago for for this. And and so I sold everything I had and I and I put everything into that first store and it became hugely successful. Hugely successful. We were on every broadcast, ABC, NBC. CBS, Fox, we were written up in the Trib and, wow. you know, we were on talk shows. No one could really figure out what we we're doing back then, right? Yeah. Yeah. They were just kind of, oh, we know that they're dog walkers, but what's this doggy daycare? Yeah. So it, 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 the business just took off and it was a challenge for me. I can tell you that, you know, coming from Accenture, I was accustomed to working with, you know, people who were you know, self-starters, they're, sure. they were entrepreneurial, very much entrepreneurial, right? They, they could, you could give them a project and say, Hey, go do it. And, and they would do it. Right. And then when you go from that to actually having to manage people and get the best out of them, right. Uh, at my very young age of just 27, I wasn't that good at it. And that was probably downright terrible. <laughs> and if anyone who used to work for me back then is listening to this, I apologize. It's <laughs> 
You can call me the benevolent despot because that's really what my heart was always in the right place, but my head always wasn't. And I apologize. Okay. But, you know, I, I managed the business and I was an owner operator for three and a half years. And then I, I decided, okay, I want to get back home to New York, but I was, you know, I was attached to this business. Yeah. So I sold it out to a company called Best Friends Pet Care. They were a consolidator in the, in the industry and it did very well and moved back to New York thinking that I wasn't going to be. That was your doggy run. That was my doggy run, but no, that (laughs) was not my doggy run. A friend of mine, I moved back to New York, a friend of mine who's in real estate, sees a store in Tribeca and he says, Dan, I remember you told me about this thing you did in Chicago, right? Again, it wasn't that hot, it's 2004. And so he shows me this store in Tribeca and I've just fallen in love with it. I'm like, this is a, this is a great opportunity. I was missing the business at the time. Sure. So I reinvested everything that I made from the first platform into a new platform called Spot. And then I was really in, I was really, really in. I invested my money and then I took on a, a you know, some outside capital to help ex- yeah. expand the business. And I built it up to four locations. Wow. And then I, I looked to further expand the business. And this is another great lesson for you entrepreneurs out there. When you're looking to expand your business, be careful who you partner with. I made a really bad partnership decision in 2011. And I ended up having to divest myself of the business, business that I love in a city that I love, you know, yeah. and I was a much, even though I still I think I was still evolving. I was a much better manager second sure. time around than I was the first time. Yeah. And uh, yeah, but I had to get out. It was a really toxic partnership. I tucked the tail between my legs, uh, left New York as I had to, went to Florida, started working with my stepdad you know, on some technology projects in unrelated industries. Yeah. And then I looked to get back to the Midwest for personal reasons and ended up back in Chicago. Was on another project for a cash flow lending business where I did some sales and tech consulting. That project ended, and I'm like, "Well, what now?" Yeah, back into doggy daycare, and I really bootstrapped this one, Pups Pet Club. I, I at that time I didn't have any money. You know, the transaction from the second platform did not go well at all. Another warning to you entrepreneurs out there: if you're you know looking to exit, do so very carefully, yeah. and have good attorneys. Um, and I started walking dogs and training dogs and just getting back into the reasons that I really love the business to start with dogs. Yeah. I scraped together the money for the first store in, in 2014, we opened it in December of 15. Okay. And then it just, again, took off. It was in the river North neighborhood in, in Chicago, great neighborhood full of young professionals. We catered to them. This is a small 1,450 square foot store, but we did small dog daycare. We did grooming. We did veterinary services. We had a retail presence and we did training as well. And then I attracted another investor, made a much better deal for myself this time around. And that investor helped me grow the business to four locations. COVID hit. That changed the business forever, you know, and... It actually made my investor rethink his investments. He was looking, you know, he was looking for 
an investment that provided him with cash flow. I was looking for something much different. I was looking for a platform that I could build yeah. into something bigger. So I was, I was making an equity play. He was making a cash flow play. He said, Dan, I don't like the cash flows. Who wouldn't, who would like the cash flows during the pandemic? It wasn't good right. for any, any business, I don't think. Yeah. And so I, I happened to get an opportunity to buy him out, which I did. And now here we are today. I've expanded the business with some additional debt capital, debt financing that, that, that I, I, I've gotten, but also from the cash flows of the business, you know, you, you got to believe in your business. And if you believe in your business and you're an entrepreneur, the greatest investment that you can make is in yourself. So, you know, stock market's great. Real estate's great, but you know, you got to be investing in your business. So every single dollar goes back into building stores and building a great team. Yeah. Those are two of the, the, of the many components. And we also happen to invest a lot in technology too. We, we believe that is a, yeah. as a key, key competitive advantage for us versus yeah. our, our, our competition out there. So anyway, I know that's a yeah, really long story. No, I apologize pretty, for taking up so much airtime, but it's a cool story, yeah. Dan. Don't, don't apologize for your story, brother. The, the, the reason why people listen to this show is to hear stories. Of course, we want to hear about business, but that was a story about some awesome business. And some ups and downs along the way. So I want to dissect, man. This is what I do. This is what I love. And so I heard all kinds of stuff in there. I was, I was really holding back. I wanted you to finish because I wanted to jump in there. But okay, so a couple things in there that, that were really, really beneficial that I want to dissect further into. So I heard a good decision and some bad decisions. <laughs> yeah. and, and I want to go into both of those. So what would you say if you, if you had to pick one good decision? Because you gave us several. There's some expansion. There's some you know, believing in yourself there, like there's a lot of really good principles that you just shared with us, but if you had to pick one decision that you made that has led you to where you are, as far as like a successful business owner, what would that one thing be? Something that maybe we could go do in our own businesses? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think it's exactly what I said. I think it's believing in yourself and saying, okay, how can I invest my dollars wisely yeah. so that I can build something of value? Not just yeah. value for yourself, but value for your team, value yeah. for your customers, value for the community. If you have a value-driven idea, you're bound to be successful. But you just can't go at an idea and think, okay, I just want to make money, right? That's the principle of business is that you need to go make profit, right? That's yep. number one thing you have to do. All business needs to make a profit. Yeah. But if you're going into, into your business, Simply to make a profit, you're never going to really, you know, be a great business, you know, owner or entrepreneur, you know, you've got to be thinking of others. Right. And so I think for me, the greatest decision I made was following my heart, you know, and, and getting into the dog business. I I was a tech consultant. My family growing up was in real estate and manufacturing. Yeah. I thought I was going to be, you know, a, a, a tech innovator of some yeah. sort, yeah. Uh, you know, probably would have ended up, you know, putting on the sock puppet costume or something, working for pets.com. Uh, if I wasn't in doggy daycare. Sure, uh, sure. And I'm happy that happened because I, I do believe now retail is headed much more in, in a service focus than it is in a right. traditional product, product focus. So yeah, the online stores can handle all the, the traditional retail, the dog food and toys and stuff like that. But I think another great decision is... Uh, aside from believing yourself, is 
sticking to what I, I know and not yeah. what I don't. Yeah, uh, and good. so trying to, trying to bring people in who I know can help the organization because I, I, you know, the more you realize what you're good at, the more you want to focus on those things. And the more that highlights what you're not good at and the, the areas of the business that are weakest that really could use, you know, professional help. And so building a great team around you is probably maybe the second best decision that I, that I made besides just investing in myself is investing in others. Because if you have great people around you, you're always going to be better. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Both, both of those principles are huge. I think you gave some really cool examples of how you've been able to do that for yourself as well. What would you say for the person listening right now who, you know, maybe they've invested in themselves and they're thinking about going to the next level. Maybe they have a couple of team members, but they're looking to really dive into being a better leader investing in those kind of a players you had already apologized to the people in your first run how does this run look different maybe some practicals that you can give the listener things that you're doing right now to build your team at a much higher quality yeah i think the one piece of advice that i could give is listen like just shut up and listen you might have a great idea you might think that you know your education or experience kind of puts you ahead of the you know the others that might you know, either with competition or, you know, people that you work with, right. That you might know something more, but the best thing that I've found that works for me nowadays is that I spend a lot of time listening, listening to partners, especially listening to my employees, which I don't even really, I don't call them employees, I call them team members. Right. And I think yeah, yeah. they're very much vested in our collective success because, you know, I empower them to make decisions. You know, I'm, I'm making my decisions based on feedback that I get from them. Right. So I think being a better listener inevitably makes you a better manager. You always, you have to have the other skills. You've got to be organized. You've got to be able to make good decisions. You've got to, you know, be empathetic, right. And understand that not everyone thinks like you or acts like you. Right. So patience is key, but more importantly, more than anything else, if you want to be a great manager, listen. Listen at least twice as much as you talk, at least. And that would probably be the minimum. You should, if you want to be super awesome, listen all the time and talk very little. Yeah. I'm talking the most right now that I, that I ever. <laughs> yeah, well, it's okay. It's, this is, this is where you shine because this we're is. We're not my team, so I can, I can freely just. Let it yeah, a hundred percent. And it's actually, it's actually a little bit of a secret about being a guest is that you could talk about you, which not a lot of guys at our level, yeah. we, we we're always listening, which is, which is fine. It's a blessing to listen what you're talking about. You get so much value and you give so much value when you listen, but when you flip the script and you get to guest on a show, you go for it. You know, you get to talk about you, which is great. So, okay. Listening. We got the good, the good, the good decisions here. You've made some really good moves in business. Appreciate you sharing. Let's flip the coin. You mentioned bad partnership, maybe the way that it was structured, exiting in a way that wasn't so good. Pick one of those. Tell us some details. What was a bad decision that didn't oh, work out so good? Oh my! Well, I have a master's degree, but it wasn't in in business. I have a master's in science, so I okay. I never ended up in the Harvard Business School, and sure. but I I certainly paid the price in real world experience. So. Mm-hmm. Whatever right. education I've received, I've definitely paid for it. And I think 
you know, if you're expanding your business and you're looking for partners, you know, whether it's equity or debt, you've got to make sure that you're partnered with the right people. You got to do all your homework, do your diligence, know those people backwards and forwards and take your time making that decision because a hasty decision will inevitably sink you. And so that's really what destroyed me in, in you know, round two, my second platform of, of being in this industry. I was in, in love with the business second time around. I had no, you know, no thoughts about getting out. And then I just ran into the, the wrong person. And I happened to be in a vulnerable place in my, in my life. So emotionally, there was something going on there. I encourage everyone, you know, if you're a great manager and a great leader, you're separating out the emotion from, from the decision-making process. Right. And I didn't at that time. And it, it was a very expensive lesson, both personally and professionally and financially. So know your partners, know them very well. You know, they shouldn't just be friends, right? They should not, but they should be trusted advisors, people that you can go to and you would know in your heart of hearts that they would never screw you over. And it takes time to get to know someone on that level. Um, Right. And so I was really hasty in my decision-making process. I was, an, I was an impetuous entrepreneur. I was promised something and that, that promise was not delivered. I was asked to do certain things, you know, in lieu of that promise. And, you know, of course, I, I, yeah, that it was bad. Anytime, anytime you're giving up controlling interest of your business guys and gals out there, you've got to make sure that you're protected. Yeah. And so I think that's the advice I could give any entrepreneur as you move towards a, a transaction, what, you know, a partnership or an exit transaction, anything, know those people, right? Know those people intimately, you know, take your time, make sure it's a, a really extensive courtship. Yeah. So that you, you know, absolutely can say there's never no hundred percent, right? But you could be, I'd say like it's ninety five percent. You know, I wouldn't even say that I was. I I couldn't. My situation, I might have been, yeah, fifty percent or less for sure. Like it was not. It was not a well thought out plan on my part. Yeah. So, well, I like yeah. how you used intuition. Really, you didn't say that word, but that's really what it was. It's like, you know taking your time, paying attention to how you know this person, listening to your gut. Like you just said, oh, yeah. your gut really told you otherwise, but you, you, were, you weren't really listening. You were making a hasty decision for whatever reason, you know, pressures of, the, of that moment, the emotional pressure. There's a lot of things that go into us making decisions that, you know, keep us, um, I guess, from the better part of the decision-making process. So with, with, with that said, as I kind of move over here to like, okay, well, that's what you learned. What about now? Like something comes across your desk and you have to make a big decision on something. Is there a, is there a magic formula that you follow now? I think it's the one I just gave you. Like I, I take my time, you know, I'm, I'm going through one of those decisions. I can't get into the details right now, but let's just loosely call it an expansion opportunity. And so I had several offers, several people wanting to partner with us and, and I've narrowed it down to one partner and now I'm committing myself to that partner 
basically saying, okay, when else should we, you got to put them aside. I think really good decisions are not like, you don't know them when you make them, right? You just try to make the best decision you possibly can with the information that you have. That's right. But, but when you're making a decision, you're cutting off all the other possibilities and you're sticking with that decision and you're going forward. That's right. And you're hopefully making that decision based on really great information. The decision that I'm making right now, you know, what I'm referring to, I, I've made over an extensive period of time Yeah, and I've considered lots of different opportunities actively, I'd say over the past nine months, but passively over the past five or six years, as more and more people are drawn to, you know, outside investors are drawn to our, our business, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So when I first got it, Chaz, when I first got no, no private equity company, no, I, they, they didn't, they couldn't figure out what I was doing, let alone yeah. they invest in it. You're just a dog walker. Right? <laughs> That's not, not scalable. Not, <laughs> not scalable. So, you know, I, commit to the decision once you've made it, but take your time making the decision. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. It's good. I'm going to go over to our speed round here, Dan, inside this Hops Pet Care. What would you say is Hups, the- Hops Pet Club. Oh, Pet Club. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. Every, yeah, everyone does the same thing. Always. Always. Thanks for the clarification there. What, what would you say the, the, the number one KPI or the one thing that you would track forever and ever would be? Utilization. Okay. Yeah. We track utilization. So, you know, forecasting utilization, historical utilization, you know, in our business, that's everything. So, and, and give us so, just a little bit more for someone who doesn't understand what that is. is that's sure. Sure. I mean, it, it goes in several. So it comes down to visits, right? How many daycare right. visits? How engaged? Are, yeah, exactly. How engaged are customers, right? So that's, you, you tell that by the number of reservations they're making. So as you're forecasting out a customer to make 300 reservations over the course of a 365 day year, that's a pretty nice, yeah, that's a pretty nice, you know, pipeline that you set yourself up with. Right. So in the same goes for overnights, training, grooming, we consider the four core services, daycare, overnights, training, and grooming. And so we track, we heavily track utilization of those services and try to increase utilization by marketing campaigns. You know, there's, we have trip campaigns, customer journeys that we've set up active customer solicitation campaigns based on, based on data, right? Things that they're doing. So customer behavior and also actual pet data too. For example, you know, we know when, you know, a dog is due for his vaccinations, right? We're sending them vaccination reminders. We're also encouraging them to use our veterinary services. We know if we acquire a young dog for services through our puppy play care program. And we also know inherently as you're a pet parent yourself, that young dogs require training. They require first grooming service. So early adoption is, is key too, but utilization is something we actively track. Pairing up utilization with good, with good data will help you win the customer and get more out of them, right? Yeah. Because, yeah. because let's face it, like now, when I first started, you, there wasn't another doggy daycare for yeah. right. hundreds of miles, right? right. Now they're, right. they seem to be on every corner. So you got to be doing it better than, yeah. than your competition. Yeah. And so it's, 
there's choices. So not only KPIs, KPIs are important, but it's really at the core, you, your mission's got to be right, right? And ours is to take great care of dogs. You know, everything else is secondary. And it says it right there on our website. That's what we publish. And that's true, right? Like your heart has got to be in the right place. Your head's got to be in the right place. And everything else kind of comes along after that. Yeah. Yeah. So going back to your question, as we get into the business for, you know, what the finance guys are always interested in talking about is things like utilization, customer spend, lifetime value of the customer. Yeah. All these things we, we track. Yep. So yeah, su super important stuff, but don't lose sight of your mission ever. <laughs> I, I like, I liked how you did a really good job there of tying that utilization to the mission because. Um, for example, you have someone coming for doggy daycare, but they don't come in ever for overnights or don't come in ever for grooming service or don't come in ever for your core service. Then it doesn't mean that that person is not engaged or not is unhappy necessarily, but they're not as engaged as they could be. You're not serving them to the fullest possible you know, possibility. You're not taking care of that dog the best way possible because they're going other places for other services. So there's, there's truth in that mission that's very connected to utilization, which is the top KPI that you would, that you would track. So you're right. I mean, so cross sell and upsell opportunities are all, all born out of utilization data analytics. So just like you said, if, if you've got someone who's coming in for daycare and they're not utilizing you for the other services, you're doing something wrong, yeah. hands down. Right. So if I've got a store that offers the full suite of services and someone's only using one, I'm losing. Right. Right. It'd be I'm, as simple I'm, as they just don't know about the other ones, right? Yeah, right. So sometimes it comes in, it comes down to some things like, you know, store signage, right? Right. Like right. Advertising right in there in your store, what you do. Sometimes it's more complex things, right? You've actually got to win a customer over because they have a relationship with someone else for, for a service. Yeah. And you do have to do it better. You have to prove yourself to your customer every day, especially in this business. This is an emotionally driven business where you're taking care of live animals, people's family members. And if you're not doing it right every day, you're going to lose, right? They're going to know. Yeah, they're not, they're going to know, right? So our stores, first of all, our people are great, right? And they're all bought into the mission. We hire dog lovers at every level, even the senior leadership level. You've got to, you know, you can't be just a numbers cruncher and come work for me. It's just not going to work. Right. But especially at the line level, you know, our, our daycare attendants are amazing. Our groomers, our trainers, they really care. They care about the dogs and they care about the pet parents and they care about things that are important to pet parents, like, it, like having a great relationship and making sure that your dog lives a long and healthy life because they bring so much joy to us. Why wouldn't we want them to, right. you know, to be around for as long as they can? Yeah. And, and I think we, in, in that way, we contribute to, to people's happiness. And I, I really believe that, right? When someone walks through our doors, the experience of seeing their dog well cared for and knowing their dog's getting proper exercise or properly groomed or properly trained is going to enhance their their personal lives, right? And their own personal relationship with their with their dog. And so I believe that strongly. I believe that's, you know, what we do to help people. If people ask me, okay, how do we help people? That's it, right? You know? And who doesn't want a better relationship with their dog? Because, you know, it's been proven scientifically that dogs are better for us, for humans, right? For our emotional well-being. Yeah. So if I can somehow improve that relationship, hey, we're winning. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Yeah. I think even for the, for the guy, like 
I, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm a dog lover, but every dog that we've had, I've loved. And and there's love that gets, you know, given back and forth. And even we share the, you know, the love for St. Bernard's. I had a St. Bernard, like you said earlier, they don't live for very long. And that was a sad day for me. That was probably the one of the most, I mean, I'm not an emotional guy like at all. I could probably count on one hand the times I've been like physically emotional and, and like stuff came out of my eyes. You know, I don't know what that is. Yeah. <laughs> and that was one of those days, you know? And so I think that you're speaking truth, but inside of that for business purposes, it's taking care of your people, taking care of your clients through your people and taking care of all of that through the mission statement. And so all of those things just go boom, 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 right in the row. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Whether you have a product or service too, right? it doesn't matter. Like, like if you have a, a great product, you, you're aligned with our, you know, our thinking, I think. I mean, yeah. I hope you are. Otherwise I'm doing it wrong, but I don't yeah. think I'm doing it. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's the, the principles are the same. Right. They really are. You yep. know, you've got to have a great product or a great service. You've got to back it up with great people. You've got to have amazing technology. So the digital experience for the customer has got to be incredible. And then, you know, you've got to, you've got to basically wrap it all together, you know, in a nice bow, you know, by always following your mission. Always, every day, no matter what. Yep. Love and it. so you're going you're gonna to be faced with decisions that are really tough, financially tough. And, but, you know, if the decision that you're about to make is incongruent with your mission, yeah. then you've got to stick to your mission, no matter what the cost is. Yep. Mic drop, but I got, I got a couple more questions. So let's not drop it quick yet. My my next one is about just a resource or maybe a book that you like, business related potentially that listeners can go pick up and and grow. What would you recommend? Oh God, it's been so long. Who's got time to read nowadays? <laughs> or podcast or whatever resource that that has been beneficial to you. The last book I read. Oh, and I'm I'm going to forget right now. So you might have to go and and look this up. It was David Goggins. Now oh. I remember David Goggins yeah. was the author. I can't remember the title of the book. It was can't an amazing. Can't hurt me. Yep. I recommend that book to every single entrepreneur. Yeah. If you, it, my story, I think, is a story of perseverance. Yeah. I've been knocked down so many times, you know, and people have told me you can't do this or you, 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 there's no way you're going to survive or you're no right. way you're going to be successful. Yep. And every single time, you know, I've been like, okay, like I, I hear you, I'm taking that feedback and I'm using it as fuel, yeah. right? As motivation to, to prove them wrong. Yep. And David Goggins is the ultimate like person who has persevered in my mind. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's an incredible role model for not only business people, but also for individuals. I, I greatly admire him and I would love to get a chance to meet him. A, a incredible character. I also happen to be, you know, a endurance athlete, like like he turned out to be. Got it. His his naval Navy SEAL. But yeah, yeah so I, there's a lot of there are a lot of correlation between preparing for an Ironman race, right? As as there are for preparing to open a business or operate a business. That's right. So, yeah. And, does it yeah. Hu hugely valuable. And I, and I, I second that. I loved, I love everything about his energy. That's for sure. Yeah. I got, to, I got one last question here for you, Dan. I want to know if you had the opportunity 
to whisper in the younger Dan's ear. What would you say? Well, you already said it. Listen to your gut. Listen to your gut. Trust your gut because your gut will never stay wrong. This, the only times I really made like serious mistakes looking back, because again, you always think you're making the best decision with, at the time you're making them, was when I didn't trust my gut. So do that, Dan, and your life might have been a little bit easier, but everything's turned out okay. So I'm, I'm very happy with, with the way things have turned out. I think, you know, I hate to sound, you know, this is so cliche, but everything happens for a reason. And so all those really difficult times in my life, both personally and professionally, have gotten to me where I am today. And I, and I wouldn't have everything that I do have in my life, all the great people that I'm surrounded with, you know, my kids, my beautiful, extraordinary, amazingly intelligent wife and my family, I, I wouldn't have all that and the business too, you know, if, if it weren't for all those experiences, both good and bad. Yeah. I mean, the business started because of a quote unquote bad experience. Yeah, so sure. I think yeah. that's, it's all, it's all in hindsight and it's all perspective. Mm-hmm. And so I think that you've been raw and, and real with us here today. But Dan, how can, if we're in the Chicagoland area or in New York, potentially, if you've got a location there, I think you said, but how can we find you? How can we do business with you? How can we locate you as an individual, as an entrepreneur, and maybe pick your brain about business? Yeah. I mean, listen, my email's right out there. Anyone who wants to email me, please, just dan at pubspetclub.com. I'm always willing to talk to other entrepreneurs, especially people in this business as we grow our business and we look to partner with some great people. In Chicago, it's super easy. Just just get Google dog daycare and we're going to pop up. We've got six locations there. We're the preeminent brand in Chicago. We've got locations in every major neighborhood. And in New York, it's a little tougher to find us. We just started our first. Uh, we, we need some help here. So please, uh, any Chaz listeners, please come and visit us in Williamsburg, in Brooklyn. We've got a beautiful store. It's 3,400 square feet. It, it's, it's got the full suite of services. It's amazing. It's like, it's like nothing else in the neighborhood. And uh, just we're, we're not as well known as some of the other providers right now. So I think if you, if you stop by with your dog, you certainly wouldn't be disappointed by the look of the store, certainly the smell of the store, because we use top of the line mechanical systems and the experience you get with our, with our team. That's great. Yeah. I know, I know a few actually podcast guests that are in that area and I'll have to get you connected so we, we can get some, get some traffic going that way. Yeah, please do. I love it. I love it. Well, Dan, you've been, like I said, real and raw both, but the story is encouraging. It's inspiring. You said that you like inspiring stories, but that's what you gave us here today. So I just appreciate your time and but willing to share and we wish you nothing but blessing on your family and your business locations and all the things that you guys are doing here in 2023. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Thanks, Jay. Thank you for listening to Gathering the Kings today. I hope that you were able to pull out a few nuggets to go apply into your business right away. More importantly, though, I hope that you're realizing that it takes more to be successful than just being by yourself, doing it all on your own, carrying the weight all by yourself. What I have realized, not only in my own journey from multiple businesses and multiple different industries and now interviewing literally over two or 300 other very successful seven, eight and nine figure business owners is that it's tough to do it alone. And so Gathering the Kings literally exists to 
bring together successful entrepreneurs. In fact, we are putting together 1,000 kings, specifically who are grateful but not done. We're intentionally assembling kings who fight tooth and nail for their business, family, and communities. And here's what we believe, that in the pursuit of excellence in those areas, that it ignites within us the responsibility to govern power and forge a lasting legacy. So if that relates and, and resonates with you, and you know that you need people around you, sharp, qualified, other very successful business owners, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. I want you to take a look at what we're doing and see if it makes sense for you to be part of our pursuit to 1,000 Kings. Talk soon.